Hey everyone, you are listening to episode number 15 of the Elysium Project podcast, The Best Day Ever with David Wolf. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. If you support the Elysium Project vision and enjoy the content we produce, we encourage you to head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project TV, where you can pledge a monthly amount to help keep this show and vision afloat. We have four levels of monthly support to choose from, starting with our bronze tier at only $3 per month, which is less than 10 cents a day. The show does cost money to keep going, so we really do appreciate your support. Once again, that website is Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Elysium Project TV. Or you can also find that link from our website, www.elysiumproject.tv. Well, once again, it's been a few months since an episode has been posted, but having that time away has given me the chance to really refine this vision and where I want to take it in the coming months and beyond. I'm also excited to announce we will be returning to the Canada Fruit Fest August 9th to 12th this year to record some more amazing episodes and enjoy the event. On today's podcast, I'm joined with David Avocado Wolf. We recorded this episode in February, so I apologize for the delay, but I'm glad to finally share it. I've always felt David's attitude toward life to be very inspiring, teaching us the approach of an inverse paranoid. In other words, reframing each situation to the most positive mindset ever so that each day really can be the best ever. David is the author of many best-selling books, including The Sumfood Food Diet Success System and Longevity Now. He joins me today from his home in Northern Ontario. David Wolf, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I am doing the best ever. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, happy to be in, in snowland after long journeys away from cold weather. It's good yeah. to be back in it. I need cold cold I need a cold snap here and there. Yeah, do you? Like a, I'm like a blueberry bush, like no cold weather, the fruit's not working. So I, I do need a snap of cold weather. And so I'm getting a getting up a good six weeks of it here, right now on a good stretch and, and right in northern Ontario. Northern awesome. hey? We are considered northern Ontario, which is wild. And it gets it gets wild up here. Yeah. You were mentioning before we started recording, you've been there for 14 years now, had a place in Northern Ontario. That's yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, I'm into cold weather and um, this is something interesting. You know, somebody was like, I was getting trolled on this. Like, how dare you say that you've been into cold weather (laughs) and, and jumping into cold water. And I was like, dude, it's like, that's been my whole life. You know, like, you know, it's, it goes all the way back to the sun food diet. Yeah. And, you know, traveling all over the world. I mean, I've been a spring water hunter, hardcore, the most hardcore in the world. You know, that's not, that's not warm springs. Those are cold springs. <laughs> and, and you don't get to a cold spring in the Arctic without putting your body in it and bathing in it. You just don't. It's just too powerful. It's too amazing, right? So it is, the trolling that goes on today, I was reading some Rudolf Steiner stuff and he was like, you know, what's going to happen in the future is people are just going to unload absolutely in a war of all against all, all their internal spiritual problems. Mm. That's kind of what he said. I feel like that's happening. 
that that's happening, man. That's it. I was like, whoa, this dude saw that coming. But Rudolf Steiner saw a lot of things coming. And, um, and I was like, wow. Yeah. And it, it was really cool. It's like, you know, you, you, it's, it's crazy. You know, when you're at the top in the world, you know, which I feel like I'm at the top of my game right now, top of my career, all people want to do is try to tear you down. Uh-huh. And, and I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? You, you, you'll never be number one in your field trying to tear someone else down. It's not possible. Yeah. And that's a sad state of affairs because anybody who's criticizing someone else or that kind of thing, it, it's, it means that they're, they don't, they don't, they're not going to succeed. It's really yeah. kind of a bummer. It's like a guarantee. Yeah. Well, it's, it's projecting our own inner, inner issues out onto other people. And it's fascinating that the way that's happening, it's kind of like going back to what you just said about Rudolf Steiner. There's a quote that I like, and it's the night is always darkest before the dawn. In a lot of ways, it seems like we're very much exiting the dark ages and that society's on course for a reboot, so to speak. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I look at it kind of like this too. And I agree with you. Um, I also see it like this. It's kind of like we're becoming aware mm-hmm. of the dark ages. Mm-hmm. We're being reborn. You know, we're being reborn nonstop. You know, like, I don't know about you. I don't think you're like me. It's like every new discovery, I'm reborn. I'm rejuvenated. Yeah. I'm stoked. But the other world that's out there is dying. It's yes. dying of a very bad of a very bad cancer and it's like reaching out to try to grip and drag everything in with it you know into the despair and all of that is bubbling up into our world of social media today Mm -hmm. it's fascinating it's it's really is the it's the paradox kind of of the internet like we through the internet i would uh, you know i discovered you about 15 years ago when YouTube first came out, you were all over YouTube and in 2006 when that began and everything. And it really, the internet allows us to connect in a way that we never have before in history. But then at the same time, as you say, we have all these trolls coming out of the woodwork and people just like, you look at the YouTube comment feeds, it's ridiculous these days, you know? And what, so that's so interesting. I mean, that's part of it. You know, it's kind of a bummer for us in the healing field. I mean, I, you know, we want healing for all people we, and we want choices for all people, but they don't want it. Mm-hmm. There's a large section of the population out there doesn't want it. And then we see that in social media. We see that as like, how dare you speak about homeopathy? How dare you speak about alternative cancer therapies? And it's like, yeah. what are the, these people don't know anything. So that's all an internal projection. Yeah. And, and so, but that's all bubbling to the surface right now to really be detoxified by the human race. I mean, that's part of what that is. So we're going through a major cleansing, but a lot of people aren't going to make it, unfortunately. You know, we know that. And they're going to go down in a very, you know, very, um, I guess the word I'm looking for is they're going to lack dignity in the way that they leave this earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like kind of their- no matter what, you, you, no matter what you're leaving the earth. So right. you either go with dignity or you don't. And yeah. if you know, that's kind of how I look at it. And people choose like the natural lifestyles that we choose and to be close to the earth. And, you know, we have dignity. I know that's kind of how I feel about us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, almost a person's karma or how, how far are you willing to go in this life to address the things that are really inside of you? Because reality really is an in- internal projection into, you know, the external world. Um, 
I think that's actually a concept that I probably came across it from you. You know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit younger than you. So I was going on YouTube there when I was in my uh, late teens, I suppose. And this sort of concept of paradigm paralysis of this inability to see beyond your little bubble that you view reality and that almost we, we fear the things that we don't understand. And therefore, I think that's where a lot of that trolling and negative projection comes from. I was actually, it was funny. I was br briefly before we did this podcast, I was looking up your YouTube page. It's like, David Wolf promotes such pseudoscience as raw food. And it's like, <laughs> really? Is the idea that we're, uh, you know, the enzymes get destroyed through the act of cooking? Is that pseudoscience? I don't think so. Right. Or is it, or every creature eats raw in nature, period. Yeah. Is that, that must be pseudoscience too. Uh, humans being the only exception. Um, it's all, you know, so that it's just, it's gotten so bad. It's actually in a way it's good. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, that's, you know, that's that whole thing of like the worst ever is the best ever. It's like, this is going to have to come up at some point anyway. It's mm -hmm. all going to have to bubble to the surface. Right. Everything's going to have to be looked at. There's going to be a balkanization of consciousness and it might as well happen now because that's what the internet's really done. It's like, boom, it burst everything out. And now you've got this, you know, on this one side, you got this word. Now we go, Oh my God, there's the dying world. And then, yeah. you know, we're looking at ourselves going, this is the new living creation of, you know, this is the future of civilization. Yeah. It's well, awesome. I, I think, I think it's kind of this concept of duality that um, I know, I know for myself, uh, I, I briefly shared with you when we met and as my list, as our listeners will know, I suffered, severely with mental health issues, severe obsessive compulsive disorder. And it was through that that, so, so actually my story is, as I've said here, I was kind of on YouTube in 2006 looking up, I'm like, who is this David Wolf guy? Man, this guy, this guy's awesome. He's got it figured out. And it was really because of my struggles with obsessive compulsive disorder and not finding the help that I wanted through mainstream medicine that that I awaken to this completely different reality. Um, so it really is, I think, this duality. And I see that, as, as you're talking about, mirrored on a global scale. You know, we now have, if, if we were to get into a nuclear war or something, it could be, the world could be gone in uh, a blink of an eye, right? So it's, it is really this, this darkness before the light of a dawn or a new age, I kind of feel. It, it absolutely is. And, and, um, things like, you know, like over the years I've been, I, I just was open enough to question everything. Right. That's really kind of what it, what it's all about is just, you go like, well, what, well, why, why do we believe that? And you start digging into it. And it's just, it's an amazing discovery mm -hmm. that, you know, you start to realize, you know, um, my, my neighbor over here, you know, amazing guy lives on a spring next door to me over here. Nice. He, he says it this way. He says that, it's almost impossible. It's very hard. It is possible, but it's almost impossible. But it's very hard to improve on the original intent. Yeah. The original setup. So for example, like, okay, you know, we could have made all our water pipes out of wood and that there could be in a whole industry of that. And it would, they would have lasted longer and rendered way less resources and used less energy than rendering copper out of the earth mm -hmm. to make all our pipes. And, you know, we didn't, that, so it didn't go that way. It went to yeah. copper and now it's to plastic. And this, it's just, to me, it's, it's like an amazing thing that like, if we really, that's what I love about being home and I love about being close to the earth is 
There's better ways natural. For example, fencing. That's one of my favorite ones. You know, I don't, I'm like, well, am I going to go to like Home Depot and buy a fence? I'm not buying a fence. <laughs> I'm not buying a fence. No way. To keep the deer out? Sorry. I'm, I'm going to figure it out like a real human supposed to figure it out. And over the years, I eventually figured it out how to keep the deer out. And that is you just stack up massive amounts of the forest, like debris that's come down, trees that have come down. You stack them up like a fence around your garden and they can't get in. Nice. There you go. Right? That's, we're supposed to be on that track right there. That's the original intent. See what I'm getting at here? Yes. And that, what, that, what I love about that is it brings you back to a level of fulfillment that we've lost by, tr- by trying to go shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does that make sense, right? So this, this, is, this is just one of the most wonderful aspects of healing, too, is that we got that stuff's way too theoretical science, right? We got to get back to, hey, how about raw and original food? Mm-hmm. How, about, how about medicinal mushrooms from your trees? You know, that, that's your spring water tea, you know, like what I'm having right here. Yeah. Um, how about spring water in general, the way the earth purifies it? How about we check that out? You know, all that original intent stuff, it's self-evident. I don't, you know, it's like, you don't get it, then you're not going to get it anyway, you know, next. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's just awesome. And it's so fulfilling, but you don't need to convince anybody. It's like they either get it or they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're so conditioned in, especially in the West here in sort of better living through through chemistry or, or whatever, that we really, we really overlook these basic, simple concepts to find it to having the best day ever and the best life ever and i think you know i have my some food diet book right here um as i said to you when we met this is one of the top three books that i've ever read that i would recommend to people there's so much information in here you you really go beyond just you know eat eat your fruits and vegetables to to go into setting goals and intention being an inverse paranoid like principles that all, to put all together in one book, you, you did an incredible job. I'm sure I can speak for many of our listeners too. This is an amazing book. Um, do you want to kind of talk a little bit? Let's go back, rewind the clock 15, 20 years when you were working on this book. What, what's your journey? What inspired you to, to question all these basic concepts? I was so high on raw food at that time. I mean, I was, I was the healthiest person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> there was a period of time in my life. I was the healthiest person in the world. I, you know, people told me that, you know, they would come up to me like, you're the healthiest looking person I've ever seen. You're the healthiest person in the world. And I felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I had charging inspiration going through mm-hmm. me, you know, massive opening of just writing and, and just all kinds of amazing things that happened at that time, hyper synchronicity. And you know, that, that door, that door that opened for me with the, you know, the whole raw food download and then, you know, going a hundred percent raw for years and years and years and being that far in it in Southern California, it, it just, you know, it was epic. Mm-hmm. And that book came out of that. They came out of that P is like a peak high. You can't, you know, I don't know if I'll ever achieve a high like that again in my life. It was, you know, that was like a, that was the pinnacle of my, my health in my life when that, that's what that book came out of. So it will teach you how to be healthy. Now, I, now I'm so good at being healthy now that, I'm, you know, I got lazy about certain things. You know, I still sun gaze. <laughs> I still do the deep breathing. You know, I still eat as, you know, probably between 100% and 80% raw food now. Yeah. Um, but I learned living here in the, in the Arctic, essentially, <laughs> that it's nice to have like 
a sweet potato or quinoa, mm-hmm. you know, just, just for this climate. Yeah. But in the, you know, if I'm in the tropics and, you know, that's just basically eat fruit and, and green vegetables. But anyway, back to the thing, you know, there was some principles, the saturation idea, you know, that's in that yeah. book, the saturation point idea is something I live every day. I'm, I was up till 345 in the morning last night. No, even later, I, I was past 420 <laughs> in the morning. I remember thinking my, a friend of mine who's a ganja guy, he's, <laughs> he sent me a message at 420 and I was like, I'm still up at 420 AM. <laughs> um, so that stayed with me from that book. And, you know, the, the power of your thoughts, goal setting, you know, all those things, it, you know, I still live by that stuff massively, but, it, but different than back then, I've grown all that food for decades now. You know, I've grown avocados for 40 years. I've grown Rolinias for 13 years. I've grown plums, peaches for decades, you know, it, apple trees, you know, I've grown the food that I talk about in there. I've grown the superfoods. That's a big difference in me today than back then. Yeah. The experience. And and that's just, I'm a farmer now. That's more of my reality. That's more my focus, more my love. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you spending a lot of your time here in Canada now then in the, in the, the Arctic, as you say? Oh, I have for, for, you know, I don't know if people know that about me. I mean, I guess they don't, you know, I'm getting trolled saying that, <laughs> how dare I say I, I'm jumping into ice cold water, you know, Vim Hof style for 20 years. It's been over 20 years that I've been doing that. And um, it's because I love it. That's why I'm here. You know, why would I be the, in Northern Ontario unless, you know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. you got to have a, you got to be a fanatic for cold. I mean, that it doesn't get very hot here ever. It's always, you know, to most people, they'd be like, this is your summer. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm in Calgary, so I hear you. So t- let's talk about the evolution now from the some food diet success system. You say you were, you were at your highest of highs when that was coming out. I can very much relate as someone who's, you know, I'm not currently a hundred percent raw, but I've done that. And during those times I feel, you know, absolutely the best ever without question um so where is kind of the evolution of this gone over the last 15 20 years what are you working on these days what are your passions um you know of course you know being in the health field see back then too i didn't have the experience of speaking in public and really meeting the people out there and just meeting the world you know i got started before the internet even got started There was no internet when I got started on raw foods and all this whole thing and published the first books and all that stuff. The internet came after that. And I started realizing, Oh, this is what, this is how people are. These are real people. I'm here to serve the people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it became like, okay, you know, people can't do 10 steps at once. They got to do one. That's okay. Let's give them that one step that they can do. And I, so it started being about serving the people and then finding the best way to serve the people over the years led me to, you know, developing the Nutribullet project, led me into what I'm into right now, which is, you know, activated charcoal and, and this carbon 60 molecule, you know, which I'm so in love with, you know, because they're such powerful single detoxification agents. Yeah. As I take a little bit of C60. Um you know, charcoal and super charcoals for detox because, geez, people are toxic out there. It's insane how toxic the world is. And what we've, you know, like my friend, um, Dr. Mark Cohen, Professor Mark Cohen down there in, in Sydney, Australia, his student, Dr. Sarah Lentz, did a study on 
um, artificial chemicals in umbilical cords. She found 287 artificial chemicals in umbilical cords, all, all, all umbilical cords tested. But here's the real craziness of that story is that they only tested for 287 artificial chemicals. So Professor Marcone was saying, look, if we would have tested for 1,000, we would have found 1,000. Wow. So we are, we are super, I mean, with all the glyphosate sprayed and every VOC and every chemical and, you know, chemical fallout and just the whole thing, but, you know, brake dust on highways that we're breathing in. I have learned very strongly how toxic the human race is and, and what, and that's why I recommend activated charcoal and C60 after all those years, because it works and it works better than anything else. And it's easier for everyone to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I recommend it, you know, like some of the top athletes in the world are on the carbon 60 molecule. In fact, the top athlete in tennis who's a friend of mine yeah. is on the, yeah, because that's another thing. I've been able to help people who are at that level, you know, of performance because I can give them the piece that they need for where they are. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's working with real people. When you're back in the young days, you're idealistic. You don't realize like you think everybody's like you, or you think everybody can just make these major changes, or you think you're going to be able to affect the world with a hundred things. And, you know, really it's going to come down to like, I've affected the world over the years with raw foods, superfoods, and with medicinal mushrooms. Yeah. You know, those have, out of everything I've done, that, that those have made it into mega stratosphere level. And also veganism and vegetarianism, which were already big. I mean, I wasn't a big player in those mm -hmm. things. But I mean, you know, I've, I've been a promoter of that stuff, as you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now, now it's time for the next phase. And this next phase is the activated charcoal and the charcoal and the C60 phase. It's time for people to know, you know, this is like before we can really get a deep cleansing and all that kind of stuff, we need to start cleaning up the bottom of the muck and getting digging it out mm -hmm. what is the carbon 60 i actually don't know so if you can okay good thanks for asking because yeah. i love this subject and so you know you were asking me before we got on the call you're like what do you want to talk about i was like look I, this is what i'm writing a book about i'm super excited nice. about it yeah. i'm doing it every day myself um all charcoal is you know adsorptive what does that mean it's mean it doesn't mean absorptive because absorptive would be like a sponge and might even cause chemical changes in what's being absorbed charcoal can sit like in soil as it can sit as it goes through your digestive tract and not chemically combine with substances in the soil but change the the way that those chemicals are present in the soil for example it'll pull them to itself and lock them in there mm -hmm. but it won't it won't um, chemically combine with them and turn into something else. Mm. And those are called Van der Waals forces that do that, that attract like that bind adsorptively, not absorptively because absorptive is like a sponge. This is like a more magnetic or electromagnetic. Okay. It's more of an electromagnetic phenomenon. And the charcoals, all of them, are negatively charged and oxidants, basically, you know, metabolic byproducts, toxins we breathed in, metabolic toxins are positively charged and they are attracted to the charcoal. Huh. That's how it works. Okay. So it, it's a drawing agent. It's like an electrochemical drawing agent. It draws the stuff out and usually you poop it out. Now, not all charcoal is the same. If you start with like a birch charcoal, like you burned a birch, you know, I'm, what am I talking about? I'm talking about you take a piece of wood <laughs> like birch. You burn that thing over a fire. At the edge of the fire, you usually have a couple of chunks of black charcoal of that 
it's not completely burned. That's the stuff that had been used by our ancestors as a medicine yeah. for thousands. Of, every single race of people in the world, you know, it's a forgotten thing. We even today you hear a little bit about humans eating earth and clay, but charcoal. That's way more common for a human being to be eating charcoal. It doesn't have any taste. It's easy to eat, and it detoxifies you immediately, and it purifies water, and has many Paleolithic uses, ancient uses. Nice. Um, it, yeah, I could go. I could just go. I mean, I've been going through a charcoal revolution just in my house. For example, all my toilets. I lift the back of the toilet up. I put charcoal in the top of the chunks of charcoal that big, made out of birch. It goes. It floats in there. When the toilet flushes, it doesn't go through the hole because it floats, and it purifies all the water in the tank, and it keeps any odor from building up. Oh, nice. That that kind of stuff, and that's what it does in your body. It it sucks up all those odors, sucks up all those toxins, and then it moves through you. And anyway, of all the charcoals, some are different than others. Activated charcoal is made from a harder and denser wood, usually a shell from a coconut, which is harder and denser than regular wood. So it's going to create a really nice activated charcoal. And that kind of activated charcoal or that kind of darker charcoal, richer charcoal, is then pushed over superheated steam and then it opens up the pores even more. So it becomes even a better detoxifier. It's probably, you know, twice as good or, you know, it's 10, at least 10% as good, you know, usually a lot more. I really feel it. I really like activated charcoal better personally myself, but then I have a more hearty digestion. People who have sensitive digestion should have more regular charcoal, you know, for detox. And you do this in a cycle. You got like, okay, I'm going to do a detox for a week out of this month. And you really get on the charcoal for that week. And that's a one way to think about it and do it. It's very easy to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then let me keep going. So it turns out that not all that, even the activated charcoal is all the same. There's a fraction of it, 1%, sometimes less, that has really more electrochemical properties than the rest of it. It's actually created by electricity. And that, those are called fullerenes. And the, the C60 is the dominant fullerene. So there is C60 present in activated charcoal, yes, but it's not that much. And I'd like to get more of the C60 because the research on the carbon 60 molecule indicates that it is the most powerful part of the overall activated charcoal. It has the most strongest detoxification properties of all the charcoals. So we call it a super charcoal. So I'm always actually, my personal life, I have... Regular charcoal, activated charcoal, and C60 is kind of a regular thing in my life now. And what, what an amazing thing. What a discovery that is. C60 has the longevity record in animal studies on rats. Not that I'm into animal studies, but that was a 2012 study published in Paris right. by Fathi Musa that, you know, changed, that study literally changed the world because he, he beat the world record in longevity in, in rats um, with this substance. Nice. And it's, it's kind of a tincture. I was watching you take it earlier. Hey, just a dropper. It's just an olive oil. So okay. because another interesting thing about these compounds is that they are, they're actually um, oil soluble. So, you know, charcoal is very difficult to make soluble as it is. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to make it soluble as it is. But essentially what's happening with these substances is they're more oil soluble. So if you put them into olive oil, they'll penetrate deeper and they'll actually get into your body better. Mm. That's what Fathi Musas found in his study and his research. And that, that became, you know, that's a, that was a world changing study. And it really brought activated charcoal back into the limelight. It's like, Hey, this stuff 
it extends life. You know, that that's if you wanted the simplest, easiest thing to extend life based on animal studies, there's no question that the number one way to extend life in an animal is with activated charcoal. If they're going to eat or ingest anything, that's the number that's number one of all. But think about that. Think about that discovery. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So that's why I'm writing a book on this because that's that's a story that needs to be told. And of course, you know, that's one of those things that you look at the world and you go, why aren't they telling us this on the news? Yeah. <laughs> what the heck is the news? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, that's kind of our goal here with Elysium Project is to to reboot that paradigm and get information out there to the people that really matters and is really going to make a difference that isn't spoken about on these mainstream consolidated media. Spe- speaking of which, I know that when when we last talked, you were uh, they've booted you off YouTube now, hey? And Pinterest. And Pinterest. Really? Pinterest? And Pinterest, yep. Oh my goodness. Pinterest. Not, not that I was big on Pinterest. Yeah. Or not, I, was, I wasn't even really big on YouTube, actually. You know, I had many videos that were huge on YouTube, but they weren't on my page. Right. But I had, I had, you know, nine years of work up on YouTube. They deleted my page without a warning, without a strike, without anything. They just deleted me. Huh. And, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the thing and I'm going, do I want to fight this? Yeah. Screw these people, you know, let them kill themselves. I don't care. YouTube's going to destroy themselves with, with they, you know, it's what happened to Facebook. Facebook's already there. Facebook destroyed their platform through censorship. Mm -hmm. You know, they got rid of a hundred thousand publishers off their, their platform. They're done. It's over. You know, nobody wants to be on there anymore. All the kids are on Snapchat and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Now Facebook owns Instagram and they'll ruin that too. I guarantee you they're going to ruin it. I see it happening already. It's already happening, yeah. right? So if, if you know, Snapchat, I have hope for Snapchat <laughs> that, they can, that they can become the replacement for Instagram um, because, you know, Snapchat isn't owned by Zuckerberg and you know, it's big, strong money interests and all this other stuff. And yeah, it's very likely that Snapchat, if they're smart, can ride this wave and, and bend the whole thing to their benefit as long as they don't get into censorship. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the thing about all these uh, this social media is it, it came out YouTube. Uh, it was a great way to get the message out, but of course, it's owned by Google. Now we're seeing all this censorship and buckling down on these these platforms. Um, I think there might be hope for some of the more decentralized social media platforms, though, like Steemit, uh, maybe DTube. I don't know if you've heard of those. Steemit and DTube, yes, I've heard of those, and one of those is going to suddenly outpace everything else and i i do have a uh, steam it account yeah and um you know i had to have a few videos up there and i started get going into that but then i was like you know let me just i don't know i just had other things i was doing yeah you know so, sometimes you gotta you gotta just because it's a lot all these social media things now it's gonna balkanize it's gonna go into 20 or 30 that are gonna be the main ones with a few leaders that will probably be you know into censorship like instagram yeah but we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But I'm gl- I'm excited to see the development that's happening. Totally. Sort of t- touching on that subject and speaking of Steema, what are your thoughts on the whole cryptocurrency revolution? I know that right now, this year or last year in 2018, it kind of took a dive and is in a standstill. But it really, do you think that cryptocurrency is something that could really help us, uh, you know, take on the the banks? Yes, I do. I don't think it's, it's kind of like you're better off in cryptocurrency than, than what's the word, the um, fiat yeah, currency. Yeah. 
right? You know, this fiat currency, it, it has a cycle. It's usually about 80 years yeah. before the, the fiat collapses. Whatever country, the average is about 80 years. Sometimes it happens in 30 years. You know, in Germany, it happened really quickly after the war, and then that led to World War II. Yeah. So, you know, fiat currency is really, you know, it's you're going to lose no matter what. You need to get out of that fiat mm-hmm. currency as quickly as possible or use it. So you always use that money for something. Don't store fiat currency. Right. That you're going to lose 100% of the time <laughs> in that. So that's, that's my thoughts there. Now, with what you want to do is you want to, if you're going to store money to actually like use for your daily bills and stuff, eventually cryptocurrencies will get sophisticated enough to be able to do that. So you'll have a card, you boom, and it's all cryptocurrency. So the bank's out and banks are not happy about that. Oh, yeah. But that, that's already the situation. If, you know, if you're clever enough, you can actually live your whole life without ever even touching a bank again. Mm-hmm which I, I definitely recommend the banksters are behind all of this mess. Yeah. You know, the charging interest on money scam is the worst of the worst. Yeah. And creating money out of debt. And it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we started this conversation, things always get the bad comes before the good. And I feel like again, with the banking and the fiat currency, we're in that same place. And uh, I was, I was dumbfounded for many years. I was like, how are we ever going to take on these banksters? You know, they, they're controlling the world. But I, I personally really feel that cryptocurrency might offer a, at least a temporary solution or, a, as you said, kind of a, it's better than fiat currency. It's not created from debt, decentralized. That's, that's my hope anyways. It's, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. But let me, let me just straighten this out for, I think, most of us here is, what do you, you know, what are you going to put your money into? One thing that I, I learned from the richest man in Babylon, that book is you need gold and silver that you possess, that nobody knows where it is. Nobody actually has any idea. You know, it's buried out in the forest somewhere. Yeah. No one's ever going to find it except you. You're the only one who knows it. You do that for, for two reasons. One, it's the only way to actually store value of currency because gold will always have value. You can always sell gold anywhere you are in the world. You'll, if you start looking for it, you'll see we buy gold signs everywhere. Gold will always have value. It doesn't matter. It will, even if we went back to Paleolithic times, gold still has value. And that's also number two, to prove to yourself that you can save money. Mm. I found that if I stored money in a savings account, what am I doing? I'm storing fiat currency. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll move it to gold and silver, move it to gold and silver that I actually physically possess in many locations all over the world, by the way. Yeah. And nobody knows where it all is except me. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing because that allows me freedom in the sense of boom, shut down this over here. I'm over here and I've got money, Yeah. you know, because of that, because of that, you know, planning. Um, and that's from working my butt off, by the way. Yeah working my butt off year after year after year, 100 events a year, 120 events a year, 140 events a year. And just, and it's not a lot of money, but it's enough yeah. to survive under a bad situation. Absolutely. Now let's keep going to the next step. Where, where it's going to the next thing is you've got to figure out like, you know, a business or something, it's going to make you money. So when you put an investment in, you're actually able to make something out. So, you know, where it's going to produce more income for you than you put in eventually Mm -hmm. within a year or two or three or four. And then that's really like a passive source of income that can really benefit you. And, you know, one of the things to do is invest in your own business. Um, 
But if you, you know, if you're looking at like what kind of real estate to invest into only invest, you know, I've done the mistakes only invest in real estate. That's going to actually make you an income back. Mm-hmm. Um, house doesn't do that. <laughs> no, nope. it doesn't do that. I've been able to do that with a farm and, and that gives me a little bit back, but it's really, you know, it's not really worth it compared to what I could have done. So I learned that after the fact, but I love the earth. I love being on the earth. I love having farms. So I'm okay with that. But if you, if you're not in that stage, I'd recommend taking the, the capital and starting to think about putting into a, some kind of a deal that's going to make you more over time, one or two or three or four years, then you put into it and then become a passive source of income. Stocks aren't that, by the way, because if you put your money in stocks, you don't get a dividend unless it's a dividend paying stock. And plus I'm not into stocks because as I, as we learned, I mean, the last stock deal I did was Google and, um, Look what happened with Google. You know, Google became draconian and, and, you know, really gnarly. But I sold that stock years and years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's 13 years ago. Yeah. Let's go back to talking about raw food a bit because that's, that's, again, what a uh, big part of what this show is about and our listeners are aware of. That's how I got into what you're, what you're doing. Um, you mentioned you're, you're kind of about 80, 80% 80 to 100% raw these days. Like, where, where do you stand on all that currently? In terms of- I was I was a hundred percent raw for seventeen and a half years. Wow! And then travel, you know that that you know really, you know what I mean. So my digestion, everything was completely adapted to raw food. I was I was completely there. And then I started having really strong cravings when I was in Peru for sweet potato and quinoa, hmm. and for a type of um, raw cheese that they have there from cows you know that live in the high pampas grass areas and it's like a fluffy cheese it almost has like no weight to it it's very interesting and i was you know i'm just vegan so i'm like you know what you know what Mm. i'd been a vegan for 20 years and i hadn't had cheese or anything like that and i was like you know what i'm gonna follow my instinct and my instincts tell me to eat that so i started eating that i started eating quinoa and i started eating sweet potato and that's that's what got me you know where i am today which let me eat more cooked stuff today. Like I'll, I will eat like um, lots of wild green foods, yeah. stir fried, stir fried in olive oil or coconut oil. Okay. Um, I do that a lot actually because I like wild food and I like getting a lot of it in my body. It's very difficult to do that raw, you know, just straight yeah. up eat, eating green leaves. Um, so that's kind of a way, you know, to get more in. That's what I, that's a deep love of me and my family. We actually love that. We call it um, forest bacon. Okay, nice. Love it. Forest bacon. It's all wild foods from the forest. A lot of nettles. Sometimes, you know, if we're growing hemp, we we throw hemp leaves in there. Um, Lovage. um, You know, just all this stuff that's either grown in the garden. You know, it's just a wild thing. It's now comes up, you know, for 10 years or whatever. So we, you know, like nettles. Yeah. Um, Or just wild stuff, you know, wild like mallows, you know, wild mallows from from the yard or um, St. John's wort from the yard or, you know, stuff like that. It all goes in there. Uh, come free. Nice. And, uh, that's, that's one that I like. And then what else? Um, I like, I like black rice, <clears throat> not all the time, but occasionally I really like the black rice. I've eaten it raw for many years. I also like it cooked. I like it cooked and raw and I know how to do it both ways. And I just really like that dish occasionally when you really need it, right. especially you're in this kind of climate where it's, you know, it's snow on the ground six months out of the year. Yeah. Um, is black rice a, uh, is that a wild rice? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Canadian wild okay. rice. So it's not a hybridized grain or anything. 
it's not a hybridized grain. It's a, it's a wild grain. Okay. That's of course, you know, I love wild food. And yeah. by the way, all those years of raw fooding, I mean, it, wild food is a major thing for exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I love yeah. it. Well, that is also one of the concepts that you talk about in your book. And, and uh, when we, when we chatted in your tour in Calgary, I mentioned that I've done a lot of work with David Jubb and he's also big on the consuming non-hybridized food and how that affects our, our blood and so forth. Um, you, you have an interesting talk. It's actually still on YouTube. I don't think it's on your channel, but it's from quite a few years ago. I think at the Raw Spirit Fest where you're talking about nanobacteria, which is, as, as far as what I can understand, that's what David Jubb is terming the colloidal biology and so forth. I find that subject fascinating. I've actually looked at a lot of different papers on nanobacteria over the years myself. Um, and it's really interesting because if if we look at David Jubb's research, he's looking at, you know, you're eating a raw food diet versus a cooked food or hybridized processed diet and how that affects these these nanobacteria in the blood. Um, is that still something that you've kind of kept an eye on over the years or? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, eventually landed, I would eventually, where I got to with that was Rudolf Steiner's whole take on all disease falls into two patterns. One of them is a sclerotic condition or it's a calcification condition. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's one. And that, and I wrote a whole book on that type of, you know, disease, disease symptomology and what to do about Did it. You? Which, yeah. Which is my longevity now book. And then, you know, that whole angle and all the pieces of that puzzle are all there in that longevity now book, really good book, nice. but there's another type of condition um, group of conditions that can develop that's the opposite of the sclerotic or calcification conditions. For example, heart disease, calcification conditions, stroke, calcification conditions, arthritis, calcification conditions, yeah. right? You know, that whole grouping of stuff, you know, whenever you have calcification of soft tissue, that's that sclerotic thing. And that's what, you know, is the nanobacteria angle. And also that whole book longevity now is about that, but there's a whole nother piece, which is the, the disintegrative angle. So, for example, Lyme's disease can be disintegrative. Um, diabetes is a very good example of a disintegrative syndrome. And those would fall, you know, two categories that Rudolf Steiner talks about for disease conditions. One, he calls it aromonic. Those are calcification conditions, sedimentation conditions. And then the other one he calls luciferic, which is, you know, it's like almost like you're, you're disintegrating. Huh body's falling apart. You know, when people say, Oh my God, I'm falling apart. Yeah. They got to cancel, clear, delete on that. Um, cause that will lead to diabetes, that kind of thought form. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, I'm curious on the nanobacteria in terms of them being sort of this smallest living organism on earth or whether they're just, uh, I've looked at the papers and some scientists say they're just, uh, calcium kind of calcium carbonate replicating others would say that they actually are these smallest life below the cell um do you have any thoughts on that i do have thoughts on that and i have enough experience now to really speak strongly on that particular okay. thing and that is definitely there is a um you know, like a phenomenon going on with calcification yeah. where if there are harmful organisms present in large amounts, they will form shells just like a snail, just like a mollusk or oyster, but at the micro scale. And that's that debris can be left behind like coral. Yep. 
in, in, for example, in your inner ear, you know, somebody gets an infection in their inner ear and then there's a battle between their immune system and this infectious organism. It can leave debris behind small amounts of calcium particles that can cause tinnitus, for example. That's an example of this. Now, I do believe that is one of the main causes of tinnitus, not the only one, but it is a main cause of tinnitus is that kind of phenomenon. So, it, it, you know, again, it, there's no question at this point that the development of soft tissue calcification is related to calcifying organisms. Right. Just like, just like the presence of coral and mollusks and oysters in, in, an, in a disturbed ocean. You know, if you mm-hmm. put pylons in an ocean and put a dock in, th- those pylons will accrete around them mollusks and oysters, of course. Yeah. And, and that, that, that analogy holds true. In this in this context of health, and and I have a lot of it, just personal experience has taught me that over the years. And if people do, you know, the protocols that I'm recommending in my Longevity Now book that are based on that insight, they will improve their their sclerotic or calcification condition. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so fascinated by uh, that subject matter. I really think that's uh, that's something that we need a lot more investigation into. There was a there was a paper written about. Uh, a couple of years ago by, I think it's the Bion Institute in Europe about, he's, he's researched, you know, the Institute is about researching these nanobacteria. That's their, their primary area of interest. And he's kind of talking about how, well, we need to reevaluate what is the basis of life. Is it, we're taught that it comes from DNA and that the cell is the smallest unit of life, but he's looking at these, talking about, not in this particular paper, but other, as other scientists such as David Jubb and and what you've talked about, you know, eating the raw food, it has it has a life force to it, an energy, and it seems that these kind of nanobacteria respond to that that energy field that we're putting into our body. Yeah, basically, what you're saying is that you know maybe I'm wrong. You know, tell me if I'm summarizing it up correctly. You're basically saying that. Wild food is going to, you're going to have more energy, more cellular electricity, and your body, your body's going to be responding to infectious organisms, problematic situations much more quickly with when you're nourished with wild food than domesticated food. There's no, I mean, that's one of those things that like, will scientism allow that in or not? I mean, you know, all our science today isn't really, it's like a religion. You have to believe a bunch of stuff. You know, and, and it's like, it's just arbitrary. Like, will they exclude it? Say, hey, this is okay and this is real or they'll just exclude it and pretend it's not happening. And this is one of those areas that's so new to scientism, they haven't made right. a decision yet. But I bet if pushed because so much scientism and so much of the rhetoric that comes from it, you know, it, again, it's agenda-based yeah. science. It's not evidence-based science. It's agenda-based science. Most of this agenda-based science they're going to go the direction of the pharmaceutical empires and go for the pill for every ill theory. So they're going to probably land on the thing of like, Oh, it doesn't matter if it's domesticated food or wild food. It just doesn't matter at all. You know, that's the kind of BS that we've been dealing with. Well, that's exactly what I was kind of getting at is the mainstream paradigm of looking at food. It just, there's vitamins, minerals, fats, proteins, and carbohydrates, and that's it. Whereas this, this new approach we're seeing, Oh, there's a whole lot more going on there than just, the macro and micronutrients that raw food teaches you that absolutely you're going to learn that lesson and you're going to know for sure that the calorie issue is completely out the window. Yeah. 
because you get way more energy on raw food or eating nothing or eating a little bit of food with raw food than, you know, it's how a deer survives out the winter out here. I mean, it gets minus yeah. 40 out here. How does a deer survive out there? They're nibbling little buds of like, of trees. Mm. Now, interestingly, if you do that, if you like an edible tree, of course, like maple or birch, you'll find out like, whoa, that stuff's potent. That's powerful stuff right there. That's why they're able to survive out in the winter out there. It's wild food. Concentrate. Little, little buds of, of um, newly grown um, branches of maple and birch. Very powerful medicine. Totally. So let's, let's close off this podcast by talking about, I want to ask you what you think some of currently, what are some of the key principles to living the best life ever and having the best day ever? And do you still, do you still feel that you are what you eat is the most, one of the most profound transformational principles that anyone can apply to their, to daily life? I, I, well, let's start right there with you are what you eat. I've pulled people all over the world and found that every country I've ever been in, every culture has that phrase huh. in their language and culture. That must mean, it, it can only mean one thing, and that is there's certain codes we get when we're incarnated here yep. on this earth. And that's one of them. And it's like you are what you eat is like a fail-safe switch that like, you know, we all know it. So it's like, boom, fail safe switch it triggers. And next thing you know, you go, I better get my, my butt sorted out and start eating some organic and raw food and drink juices mm-hmm. and get back to nature. You know, that, that's, that's a beautiful thing about it. So I'm glad you brought that up. And yes, of course, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite tools of all for, for people is you're not going to, you're not going to escape. You are what you eat. And you know, the, you, you'll even read in Steiner, or any of these other spiritual leaders and, and I, I love them, but you'll see stuff. And I think they're being a little bit sarcastic or they're a little, not being totally truthful in that you can't eat your way to God. And mm. you can, you change your diet, you get connected to the spirit world, you get connected to higher power. You just ate your way to God. So I disagree with that. That's my personal experience. Absolutely is different than what they're telling us. You can eat your way to God. You better believe it. You get connected to raw food, natural food, get your body cleaned out. You become more connected to the spirit world. You become more connected to your own spirit, your own higher power, your own self. You get to an understanding that, oh, there are other higher powers than us, you know, our little human consciousness that are part of our reality, right? There's hierarchy of intelligence Mm -hmm. here. And um, all of that for me was triggered by changing my diet. I totally agree. Uh, it's it's easy to slip and forget that. Um, start getting on that that cook food bandwagon again. Um, but I really encourage our listeners, you know, to heed that advice because I totally agree with you that you are what you eat is one of the the most transformational principles. And once you start putting changing your diet, all of a sudden it's like this this avalanche of everything just begins to change for you. So. Right. Well said. And there can be other things that cause avalanches <laughs> of changes. There can be. This is one of the best ones. It's one of the strongest. And because it's a material thing, food, it affects your interaction with the material world. And therefore, it can get you you know, to be an environmental activist all of a sudden because you realize, oh, wait, the whole food thing and in the environmental catastrophe, it's all connected. You know, it's very, very mm-hmm. important um, on the best day ever. Let me tell you something. It's all you got. All you got is today. If you don't make today the best ever, you, it's never going to happen. So you better get on with it today. And that, that's, the, that's the long and short of it on the best day ever. And it is really the best ever, actually, when you get into yeah, that mindset. And that is, 
the the only way to live is that inverse paranoid mindset that you write about in the some food diet you know we have a choice we can always look at the glasses half full or half empty and it really is a choice and it took me many years of suffering personally before i finally figured that out that well it it really is my choice how if i want to have the best day ever in this moment to be right here or if i want to dwell on the negative that really is a choice and uh I I can safely say I would not be uh, the person I am and have developed myself into this individual had it not been for those those simple wor- words. Today is the best day ever from you, David. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you very much. And by the way, if you're wondering where SpongeBob got that, um, it came from yours truly. And I have the, the letter that SpongeBob really? sent me. With yeah, with a little CD, and I I took a um I did I did a little video on it because nobody <laughs> believes you you know pe- it you know it's like the thing about you weren't into jumping into ice cold water twenty years ago you're you know you're a liar it's like okay you know yeah I haven't been living in Canada and I'm, I haven't been in a snowstorm which is happening right now which blizzard just hit us and I'm not gonna go out there barefoot <laughs> which I will um because I love it you know I love this stuff it's not you know like I I love the best day ever and I want everyone to have it I want Spongebob to go preach it I want everybody in the world to be living that because that is the best ever by far that's all you got you you get into the best day ever mentality it's self-evident it's self-evident you keep telling yourself it's the best ever it's an inverse paranoid of like the worst thing's the best thing you keep telling yourself that pretty soon it, it becomes that and you realize the truth of it right? The truth of it is the worst thing that ever happened to you is actually the best thing that ever happened yeah. to you. That's, that's the, that's the bottom attitude line. Of truth. Gratitude. Life is and, not happening yeah. to you. It's happening for you. And, and it's showing you the way every yeah. step of the way. And that can, that can be something, you know, there, I get the resistance, you know, our culture is going to be into resistance. They're going to say, David Wolf, <laughs> you're a maniac. You know, I can't believe how crazy this guy is, whatever, because they're so deep into the material world. and They're so yeah. stuck. Right. So it's all going to, you know, this type of conversation is going to bring all of that stuff up. But eventually, you know, we reach those people who are right there and they go, oh, wait, this is my life. Today is Mm -hmm. the best day ever. I'll just keep telling myself that. And I've heard thousands of those cases over the years. might maybe more, you know, almost for years, it was every day. People come up to me and be like, you know, I thought it can be your event. And I thought this best day ever thing was just BS. (laughs) But you said, you said, just keep telling yourself that even if you don't believe there you it. Go. Yeah, that's, that's the key, right? You know, affirmation. That's the key. Just, you got you to gotta wake up and, and tell yourself that and eventually you get in that mindset. And before, you know, it's, I, I tell people my first podcast about my story of life change. It's really, it's really incremental. You make all these little changes day by day. Eventually they add up to one big change. And before you know it, it is the best day ever and you're living the best life ever. It really is. And, you know, right now, just in this conversation, what an incredibly beautiful snowstorm has fallen upon us right now out of nowhere. It's just fantastic. And interesting, this this storm is blowing in. This is a warm winter storm because it's blowing in from the south. We know, like, if it blows in from the north over here, it's going to be a cold. It's going to be a minus 25, minus 26 and a half kind of thing. If it comes in from the south, the Ohio River Valley and the Great Lakes region in the south, it's going to be, you know, minus 10, minus 15, you know, at this time of the winter. So, you know, this is one's coming from the south, so I'm really stoked about it. and. Uh, it looks so gorgeous out there right that's now. That's perfect. That is a, that's blowing. a great way to end this because you know being in Canada, I'm in Calgary. It's 
minus whatever right now. And, you know, people are always <laughs> like, oh, the weather, you know, but you just gotta, you gotta look on the bright side. And, and that's, I think really what, if you boil it all down, I think that's one of the key aspects of your character, what you're doing and, and why you're, why you're affecting so many people is, is because you're, you're always focusing on the positive, that inverse paranoid way of living, giving people these solutions that, um, I, I, again, I think another one of the, the key transformational principles that you have taught me over the years is you don't need to change everything all at once. Just start adding the good in and eventually, you know, you crowd out the bad and, uh, yeah. So really appreciate you coming on today, David Wolf. You've been a huge inspiration to my life. I know our listeners are going to love this. And uh, I hope that we keep in touch and connect in the future and that you keep doing what you're doing because you're, you're just, you're killing it in the, all the best ways possible. Thanks, bro. That was great. Thanks for the show. And everyone out there, have the best day ever. Say it to yourself, believe it, experience it, and you'll find right the on. truth of it. Thank you so much. Love you, David Wolf. And I hope you have the best day ever as back. well. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you enjoy our content, please help support us by heading over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project TV. That's www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project TV.